Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Well, good morning. It's such a pleasure to be here today. I'm here actually with my mother. That's right in the front row here. (laughs) And I always say that she's my partner in crime. And when we go to different churches and travel, it's our theme song is on the road again. (laughs) Well, my name is Reagan Glugash. And I've been serving as a missionary in Romania for the past 20 years. As I say, time flies when you're having fun. During this time, your church has faithfully supported me through your prayers and finances. Finances that help purchase food, clothing, diapers for these babies. I'm so grateful for your support. Well, I lead a ministry in Romania that works to prevent child abandonment and also keep families together. But before this, I actually had a career as a registered nurse. Any registered nurses in here? Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) And I actually worked at Mission Hospital, which is just down the street from here, in their trauma floor. Well, my first introduction to the abandoned babies crisis in Romania came over 10 years ago. I was visiting a young street girl that was pregnant and she had recently given birth at a local maternity hospital. Stefania, this young girl, she grew up during communism and right after communism, in a state-run government orphanage. As long as I had known her, she lived on the streets. Because of the treatment in that orphanage, she decided that it was better for her to run away as a child and survive by herself. She also had tuberculosis and was addicted to drugs. A lot of the kids that were living on the streets and even in the sewers in the winter times in wintertime in Romania had little bags in their pocket, little plastic bags. They pulled them out and they put them to their face, and then inside they either had glue or paint sort of solvent that they would use to get high, to numb the cold and the hunger pains that they experienced. When Stefania told her street boyfriend that she was pregnant, 
He beat her up in hopes that she would lose the child. Because you see, he was also pimping her, forcing her into prostitution on the streets. The day that Stephania gave birth, I visited her in the maternity hospital. It was actually a TB isolation ward. I'm not sure how I found her. But I remember when I walked into the room and she saw me and her face lit up. And the tears started to pour down her face because I was her first visitor. She was so happy to see a familiar face. And after a few minutes, she took me by the hand down to the nursery to go and visit her baby. Well, we got to the nursery door, knocked on it. We were talking back and forth. We waited for somebody to open the door, but nobody came. We knew it was the nursery because we could hear babies crying on the other side. Well, I went to look for somebody that could maybe have a key to let us in, but strangely, there was nobody around. When I came back to Stephania, I could see that she was weak, she was pale. And so I said to her, Stephania, why don't you go, why don't we go upstairs and you relax, you need to rest. And tomorrow, I'll come back to the hospital and I'll bring you food, clothing, items for the baby. Because in, in Romania, they don't automatically provide that. Family is expected to do that. And so she agreed so I head out to the piazza or the marketplace and did my shopping. And the next day, I was excited to come back and see her, show her what I had for her. But the bed that she was in was empty. And so I asked the nurse where, where she was. And she said that early, early that morning, Stephania Stephanie's boyfriend came and discharged her from the hospital. When I heard that, my mind went to her baby. But I, I thought to myself, if she took her baby to the streets, back to the streets with her, it was a January cold winter, that that baby wouldn't be able to survive. And right away, I thought to myself, I'm going to go back to where I know that she lives, and I'm gonna, I need to talk to her, and I didn't need to convince her to come back to the hospital with her baby. I had this plan devised in my head. But in just a moment, it was like the Holy Spirit dropped into my mind to go back to the nursery that I had been in the day before with Stephania and check to see if maybe her baby was still there. And so that's what I did. 
I found my way back to this nursery. I got to that one door again. Never forget this big white wood door. I knocked on it. I expected to wait a few minutes like I did the day before. But to my surprise, somebody came almost immediately and opened the door. It was a nurse or an aide that had invited me in. And this room was full of babies, about 25 or more babies. And I asked this nurse if Stephania's baby was there. And I remember her pointing to a baby that was almost right in front of me, a newborn. And she was so small, as newborns were, but it seemed like this baby was even smaller because of Stephania's lack of nutrition and prenatal care. And she was wrapped up so tight. In Romania, they could win the contest for how tight you can wrap a baby. I always call them the burrito wrap. But in Romania, they eat cabbage rolls. And so that would be the cabbage roll wrap. And they don't like you to mess with their wraps once they get it tight. They don't want you to loosen it up at all. They wouldn't want any heat coming out of there. But being the good nurse that I was, I, know, I knew I needed to do a little physical assessment. So I started to peel back the blanket a little. And I saw her little fingers that were there, all, all of them. And I got down, I could see that her little toes were there. And she was responding appropriately. And to my amazement, she was totally healthy. Miracle of God, if you would have seen her mother's conditions while she was pregnant. I was so caught up in this child that I didn't take notice of the room that I stood in, the nursery. But as I looked up, I noticed that there was something very different about this one nursery. And at first, I couldn't put my finger on it. But as I looked more closely, I noticed that some babies were newborns, like the one that I was holding in my arms. Others looked about three or six months. And then there was a few that were in larger cribs that as I stood there holding Shephania's baby, they were all eyes looking at me and putting out their hands like little babies do that are about a year old. They want you to come over to them too and hold them, interact with them. And so out of curiosity, I asked the nurse in the room, I said, why is this? Why are so many babies so many different ages in this newborn nursery. Mothers are supposed to give birth, go home right away. And I'll never forget what that nurse told me that day. She
she shared that this nursery that I stood in, it wasn't the hospital's normal nursery because they had another one upstairs. This is one that was sort of hidden away in the basement. But this one was specifically set aside for babies that had been recently abandoned by their mothers immediately after birth. And I remember hearing that. And looking at this room of babies, and it was like I wasn't hearing right. How can all of these babies, how can they be abandoned? Nothing, nothing's wrong with them. I was speechless as this realization sunk in. So many babies with so much God-given potential, but they lay in their cribs day after day after day with very little human contact and stimulation. I knew as a nurse that the brain develops about 90% the first years of life And what isn't used is lost, is pruned off by the brain. A child isn't stimulated and interacted with. And I remember that the verse John 10.10 had come, came to mind to me as I looked at these babies in this nursery. John 10.10 says that Satan... The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I saw him do that in Romania for so many years, and I was living there as a missionary, seeing the consequences of 25 years of communism and what that can do to a nation. But just because the wall was down and there was some freedom in Romania didn't mean that his plan the enemy's plan wasn't still on target. And he wanted to get this next generation of children, these babies. Whose mothers gave birth, walked out of the hospital, and left their children behind. From that day on, my ministry in Romania took on a whole new shape. God began to show me, in order to interrupt this cycle of babies being abandoned, we needed to address root issues and work to help these mothers in desperate, desperate situations to the point where they would abandon their baby. 
This led to the opening of Hagar Home Maternal Center, which provides practical and spiritual support for women in crisis. Since we opened our home, hundreds of women of children have come. And when I see a mother walk through the gate of our home, I can't tell you how that makes me feel. Because I think of those babies in the nursery that are abandoned. But it's like when a mother comes with her child, one by one, we are saving them. In their lives, they have a chance for their lives to be transformed and hope restored through the power of the Holy Spirit. Recently, somebody asked me an interesting question. They asked me what I thought was the most urgent message for the church today. And I took some time to think about this. And what I said was the most urgent message that I would tell the church is to beware of distractions. Beware of distractions. There are so many things to be distracted by in our world. We can come up with a whole long list in just a few minutes. You know, Southern California is an easy place to live, but also difficult. It's easy in the sense that we have sunshine all the time, doesn't rain, lots of things are available to us. And it's funny, when I come back, to Southern Cal after being in Romania for several years. Romania is very dark and gray, cold. <laughs> then I'm welcomed by palm trees, and I can't tell you how good it feels. <laughs> but Southern Cal is also a difficult place to live because it's so easy to get distracted and enculturated, as missionaries, we understand that. Enculturation, to fit in to the culture, to make it your home. But enculturated by the American dream. And at the same time, losing sight of God's mission in the world our purpose in life. 
and our reason for being as believers. Acts 13, 36 is one of my favorite scriptures. And it says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he died. So this verse tells me that God has a specific purpose for your life. He has a specific purpose for my life. In this generation, not in my parents' generation, not in my grandparents' generation, not in a future generation, but right here and right now, God has something that you were specifically created for to accomplish. To further the kingdom of God in this generation. Well, this morning, I want to share from a story of two sisters in the Gospels in Luke 10, 38 to 42. I believe it is up here. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here? My sister just sits here. Well, I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and you're upset with all of these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. There's one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it won't, won't be taken away from her. Well, in this text, we see that Martha, here she welcomes Jesus and his disciples into her home. 
But then she becomes distracted with all the preparations. Have you ever been there? (laughs) Meanwhile, her sister Martha is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Growing up, I had two sisters. I worked with mostly women when I worked at Mission Hospital, women nurses. And then, when I got to Romania, my team in Romania are mostly women because we're working with women and children. And you know what? There's always so much to do, so many preparations. And I can understand Martha and her frustration. I'm actually on Team Martha. (laughs) And I can understand why she asked Jesus to do something about her sister Mary. She expects Jesus to side with her. After all, he understands the Jewish culture and the expectations for women. But instead, we see that Jesus, he actually affirms Mary In verse 42, when he shares that there is only one thing that is worth being concerned about. And Mary had discovered it, and it won't be taken away from her. We see in this story that Martha, she lost sight of what was most important at that moment. What was of eternal value? Mary, on the other hand, undoubtedly she knew her role as a Jewish woman. She knew the expectations that she should be in the kitchen or helping somewhere in the house with all of these preparations. Yet, she was undistracted enough to discern who was in the room the Messiah. Think of it. It took a lot of courage for her to sit at Jesus' feet in the posture of a disciple. 
which was countercultural at the time. Back then, women did not go to rabbi school. So what she was doing was actually very radical. But Jesus was changing things. Jesus has a way of always changing things. And you know what? Mary sensed this. And it gave her the courage to do what she did. She couldn't help but be with him. Have you ever been in that position where you can't help, you need to be with him? To learn from him and to worship at his feet. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Another word could be distracts. And this sin that so easily, so easily, entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us a race is marked out for you today fixing our eyes on Jesus fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter, the perfecter of our faith. This morning, I want to end with a story I have a girl named Christina that came to Hagar Home Maternal Center. At age 15, Christina's mother took a job in Italy and she was left to raise her younger siblings. This is very common in Eastern Europe because it's one of the poorest parts of Europe. And so they go into Western Europe to get better jobs. At 17, Christina got pregnant and she found providing for her child was very, very difficult because she lived in a small village where there, where there were very few opportunities for her. Her boyfriend, at the time, he encouraged her to take a job as a waitress in Spain, just like her mother had done. 
when she arrived in Spain, her passport was taken from her by her employee at the time. She quickly realized that she had been tricked. Not by just anybody, but she was tricked by her boyfriend. And she was being forced into prostitution. There's this there's this, I don't know if it's a syndrome, but this, there's this thing called lover boy syndrome. And it's when men recruit young girls like Christina and get them to fall in love with him. And when they do, they put them in situations like Christina. It's a grooming process. It happens all over the world. And Romania is one of the places that's targeted because there's so many marginalized women and families. It's like a pond where they come fishing. Children that we work with are very vulnerable to it. This is why it's so important we do what we do. Miraculously, Christina was able to escape. When she arrived at Hagar home, she was a hardened person. I'll never forget the look of emptiness in her big blue eyes. But gradually, as the Holy Spirit worked day by day by day, as he does, the layers of hurt and bitterness began to peel away. And she accepted Christ as her Savior. And she was baptized. Isaiah 61.7 says, Instead of shame, you will enjoy a double share of honor and possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. This is a promise from God. I want to tell you that today, Christina is married to a wonderful Christian man. She's serving the Lord. And she just just doesn't have one more child. She just doesn't have two more children. But she has three more children. God has been so faithful to her. We celebrate happy endings like Christina's. But her life could have gone in a total different direction 
if it wasn't for the ministry of Hagar Home. So I want to thank you. Thank you for your partnership, your prayers, your giving, and for keeping your focus on Christ's mission to seek and to save the lost so that women like Christina can find hope, they can find healing through Jesus Christ. take a moment to pray and then pastor is going to come back up but let's close in prayer heavenly father we come humbly before you God you are the creator of the universe Yet each one of our lives, God, you have a specific purpose for. May our hearts beat, your heart beat, Lord. Help us, God, to keep our focus on things that matter to you. We admit that it's so easy to be distracted. Help us, Lord. May your Holy Spirit show us what we need to be concerned with. The most important things, our relationship with you, being your disciple. Help us, God, to be light in this community, Jesus. Even during these COVID times. Give us creativity. Show us how we can love our neighbors well. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.